The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hold it. One, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that really make America's pastime special. I'm once again Noah Scott, and I'm joined by the amazing Brandon Riddle, and we are super excited to bring you another episode packed with just weird baseball. And weird and baseball we have on tap. Brandon, what do we what do we have going on today? Oh man, on tap was a good turn of phrase there, man. I am chomping at the bit for this episode. I'm just hungry to get going. <laughs> <laughs> today we have a couple of things we of course have a tall tale of you know baseball history and then we have something called peanuts and cracker jacks when we're going to talk about the food of baseball and i'm kind of excited about this part <laughs> yeah you know i feel like baseball food is its own i mean stadium food's its own like genre right like if genre is the right uh yeah i'm gonna go with genre that sounds right it's its, yeah, it's, its own right. world yeah, you get your own, you know, hankering every now and then. So that'll be really fun. I have not eaten dinner yet. Uh, oh, so you're going to hate this. It's going to be a rough episode because I'll, <laughs> I'll go from this and then making, you know, I don't know, I'll end up making cereal or something sad and I'll want some hot dogs or something. I don't know. Oh, you just you just wake a cereal and hot dogs making it makes an appearance later on. OK, cereal makes an appearance. Wow, I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> um, well, all right. So just in the in the spirit of food and, and food related trivia i guess i have a trivia question for you brandon all right let's hear Uh, it and that is what year uh were cracker jacks first introduced (sighs) to the world all right so cracker jacks is of course mentioned in take me out to the ball game which was written i think in like 1904 ish time frame i want to say and if it was written then and cracker jacks makes an appearance in this song it was already well within you know the the american mindsets in, in our culture so it had to be at least 1890 um i am gonna go with uh randomly 1853 you said 1853 you were a lot closer when you said at least 1890 and i really oh, thought no. you were gonna guess it the first time and i was gonna just be sitting here in stunned silence <laughs> and, and just everyone would have been incredibly impressed and suspicious that you got this without looking at the notes oh so, wow i was close look at that you're very close. So Cracker Jacks, actually, and this is way, they're way older than I would have ever expected. Just just to preface this before I throw out the year, 1893. 
They debuted at the Chicago World's Fair, and their creators, oh. uh, and I'm going to try and get this right, F.W. Ruckheim and uh, you know his brother Lewis, th- so they were the first to add peanuts to popcorn. Um, and then Lewis Ruckheim actually discovered a process that kept the molasses color, uh, the molasses covered popcorn from sticking together. So that uh, was the or- the origin of Cracker Jacks. But they didn't get their name until they brought it to a salesman who tried them for the first time and yelled out Cracker Jack, which in the parlance of hey. 1893 was a, something that people went around saying like awesome or, or cool. Right. Like, can you imagine like what, what a ah. Cracker Jack play that was? exactly like that's so like i'm not surprised at all and it's it's hilarious but yeah very 1893 i would have had no idea that they were that old like this is obviously uh you know 1893 then about like 10 15 years later they got written into the lyrics for take me out to the ball game mm-hmm. uh, in 1908 actually so you're right on with that guess but who would have thought that cracker jacks were, were over 100 years old Man, I was way. I thought they were older. I was way off on that one. But that, no, that's really neat. Um, how many times have you eaten Cracker Jacks? I okay. So I'm a big. I really like Cracker Jacks. I really like, like like in modern. This is gonna be a weird like commentary on on modern stadium food. But I feel like they get slept on uh, nowadays. Like you can't oh, yeah. go wrong with with like the caramel covered you know uh, popcorn, right? Like I'm not huge on the nuts part of it, but they're good, right? And yeah. I used to love. Uh, you know, they, they start adding, they have those little, you can't really call them toys, but the little booklets, almost the paper booklets, you'd have like different fun. Sometimes there'd be like Oh yeah, I, I remember right. those. I remember going to an Angels game, I think when I was very, very young and I got a box of Cracker Jacks and I got a little flip through booklet that was all about Ozzy Smith. And I just thought Ooh. it was, that was one of my first, uh, I guess run-ins with oh, Ozzy Smith, I guess, where it was like reading this small little booklet about this shortstop that, you know, went out and backflipped on the field. It's like, that's the coolest thing ever. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan of Cracker Jacks. I love getting free stuff in my food. <laughs> like that's, toys. Yeah, like, why not? It's a like bonus. Hot Wheels and cereal boxes was a big thing <laughs> for me growing up. Um, are, are you a big Cracker Jack guy? Uh, you know, I am not. Uh, it's just the coding that kind of rubs me the wrong way. But of course, with peanuts and Cracker Jacks, I see people eating peanuts at ball games all the time. So that's right. normal to me. Um, okay. But no, I'm I'm glad Cracker Jacks exist. It's just it's just not quite for me. Okay, yeah, and so I see. Before we move on here, you actually had a second trivia <laughs> question. Uh, I did. Do we want to save that for a little later, or we want to just go right into it right now? Um. Yeah, let's let's hold off for a moment here. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll keep, we'll keep, keep the, audience the audience waiting. In, yeah, in suspense. Keep well, them hungry right. for more. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, so as as you briefly touched on earlier, we're gonna lead things off first with another very tall tale, um, and this one I feel like is is just as tall, if not taller, than our tale from last week. Uh, and this is the tale of the pitcher struck by lightning on the baseball field. Oh, I heard about this one too recently. Right. So, so recently, uh, within I want to say the, the last couple of years, there's this now infamous graphic that they showed uh, on the presentation on the broadcast of a Cleveland game about this pitcher. His name's Roy Caldwell, who allegedly was struck by lightning in the middle of the ninth inning of a game that he was pitching, and then he stayed on the field to pitch it. So I always thought that was really intriguing. Um, and so I, I took that story and I wanted to do a little bit deeper dive yeah. and, you know, figure out once again, like, how plausible is this? Uh, you know, what what really happened here? So it does, like I said earlier, it, it all focuses on 
the character of Ray Benjamin Caldwell. He was a pitcher from 1910 to 1921. Ooh, talk about the blast from the past. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm done. I'm done now. He's like saying that as, as if you remember Ray Caldwell. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I was going between that and the lightning bolt, but we'll, we'll, we'll go. Okay, we'll we'll okay. let it go. That was a stretch. But so, so Ray Caldwell already a bit of a character, uh, just like our guy from last week, uh, Wild Bill Setley, uh, but a little different. Uh, so he was known for throwing a spitball. Uh, which was and he was one of 17 spitballers in Major League Baseball that was actually grandfathered in after the league banned the pitch in 1920. So he's a junk baller um, and he was actually really, really talented. And he was known for being you know, one of the you know, guys with real breakout you know, potential uh, to be the best pitcher in the league on a given day. However, he was actually held back uh, in the eyes of a lot of his contemporaries and, and writers around the league. Uh, they said that he was held back by his you know, penchant to go out drinking late, late at night, the nights before, um, you know, generally being a wild card. As yeah, a so, he, so he was a baseball player in the 1920s. <laughs> Nothing exactly, to see here. Exactly. And I think it, when I was researching this, I thought it was was kind of interesting that yeah, I was reading this. I was like, I feel like I've already done this story, you know, about some people mm-hmm. in the 1920s, like over and over again, where he's like into partying, into drinking. Uh, Boots Poffenberger came to mind. Boots Poffenberger. Yep, I was just thinking about him. That episode. Uh, but like I said, he was he was very talented. He had a career three three uh, zero ERA with the Yankees. He had a career best one ninety four ERA in nineteen fourteen. But like I said, his conduct brought him into some trouble. So on multiple occasions, he was fined by the Yankees manager Frank Chance for being drunken uh, and you know just for conducting himself poorly in public. And so <laughs> later on, uh, the New York manager Miller Huggins actually wrote about Caldwell. He said he was one of the best pitchers that ever lived. But he was one of those guys that would keep a manager in a constant worry. So if he had per- possessed a sense of responsibility and balance, Ray Caldwell could have gone down in history as one of the greatest of all pitchers. Uh, so very, very talented guy. But, you know, his, his own worst enemy at, at points, mm-hmm. uh, according to different sources around the league. So anyway, so prior to the 1919 season, he actually gets traded from the Yankees to the Red Sox. And this is really interesting. He becomes roommates with a 24-year-old pitcher oh, that boy. also had a taste for partying. You guessed it. It's Babe Ruth. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, so in part because Caldwell was struggling with the Red Sox to start that season and possibly in part because they didn't want him to negatively influence Babe Ruth. Uh, I don't Sox. think anybody needed to negatively influence Babe Ruth. I think I think he could do that himself just fine. And that's probably what the what the Red Sox were thinking <laughs> at this point. Uh, so they decided to cut Caldwell and they released him in July. Uh, now at this point, Ray Caldwell has gone through two different teams: the Yankees and the Red Sox. Within about nine months, and even with all his talent, he's his career is kind of at a breaking point. Right? He's you know been through two teams, and now people around the league are looking at him like. You know, are you going to get it together? Or are you going to be out of the league? Mm-hmm. So luckily, he found a team that was desperate enough to put up with his antics, at least for the rest of the season. So here comes Cleveland um, and their Hall of Fame manager, uh, Trish Speaker. And so they were desperate to catch the White Sox of 1919, also known as the Black Sox, who we did an episode on a couple of years before. It's it's just cool to do these stories and see them and kind of see them all connecting. Yeah, it's, it's right? neat to see. Right. Because when I was researching this, I saw 1919 White Sox immediately set off that that exclamation mm-hmm. point in my head, that connection. Uh, so anyway, Cleveland is desperate to catch the Black Sox. And so they're willing to try anything. So Trish Speaker offers Caldwell a contract to finish out the season. 
And so when Caldwell and Speaker meet to talk about the, the contract, Caldwell was really confused because it actually said uh, it did not tell him to avoid drinking alcohol after pitching games. He said, Tris, it looks like there needs to be the letter not in here in this clause because <laughs> obviously you don't want me drinking because this had been his experience before. But no, Tris Speaker instead told him, he said, that's actually intentional because we want you on a specific regimen. Huh. You're going to pitch. You're going to go out the night after you pitch and get blackout and drunk as you've been doing. You're going to sleep ha- the, the hangover off the entire next day. You're not going to have to report to practice. Then the day after that, you'll be out here running, doing wind sprints to run it all off. And then after that, you'll be ramping up for your next start. So instead of trying huh. to stop Caldwell from going out and partying and, and drinking, Cleveland was trying to make the, the best of a bad situation. And they just basically said, look, like we're going to make it work for us. And we're just going to keep you on a strict regimen. So you can do those things as long as you, you pitch for us and win games. Could, could you imagine today if a player came in with a substance abuse issue and the team, instead of, you know, finding the correct, you know, rehab or what have you, this was their fix is here. Here's all the booze and drugs you can handle for a single night. Go crazy, man. And then it, come back it, to us. It really reminds me of I feel like this guy would be a character in a major league movie, right? <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Like they're totally just, you know what? Do your thing. We're going to pretend to ignore it. And <laughs> if you've seen that Brock Meyer, a character from that TV right. show, I could I could see that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so this is all background. This is all before. he gets struck by <laughs> Oh, like, not even there the yet. <laughs> not even there yet. I just found this and I just thought it was really interesting. All of the figures that this guy you know came into contact with. Uh, and just that it's hilarious that they expressly like allowed him to drink and get trashed after games just <laughs> as long as he was able to show up for his next start. But it seemed to work. So for the six starts that Caldwell made that year in 1919 with Cleveland, he went five and one with a 171 ERA oh. and he threw a no hitter. My goodness. So clearly Tris Speaker, to some degree, had you know, his idea was working, right? Um, almost like exposure therapy therapy in a sense hey but you know despite so during this amazing run he goes five and one throws a no hitter that's actually not the biggest game of that stretch so the craziest thing that happened so in his very first start of that fantastic cleveland run something happened to caldwell that had presumably never happened to a pitcher before or since he was struck by lightning my god <laughs> so can you imagine like this isn't even just like he's been with the team a couple games this is literally his first time putting on the cleveland jersey he gets hit by a bolt from the sky so <laughs> let me set the scene for you so it's it's absolutely brutal brutal heat during the summer um you know twenty thousand fans are filling the the park it's just thick everywhere but caldwell uh with that sp- that uh, spitball, he actually is able to shut down the Philadelphia Athletics through eight and two thirds innings pitched. You know, he just gives up four hits and a walk. His command is looking excellent, mm-hmm. and he's pitching one of the better games of his life on a day that he really needs to impress because he needs to stay with this team that's giving him a shot, right? And so he does that. So Cleveland's up two to one entering the eighth inning or entering the ninth inning. Excuse okay. Me. Um, and just following the eighth, there's fog that, you know, it'd been a clear day for the most part. Ooh, it was really setting hot the muggy, scene. Right. But right after the eighth inning, fog starts to roll in off of uh, Lake Erie. And so everyone's, at, you know, at the time, they're kind of accustomed to this. So they're just trying to, they're like, okay, let's hurry up. Let's just get these three outs and then we can go home while the storm washes in. That's not exactly 
how it how it ended up shaking out, as you can imagine. So Caldwell actually took the mound in the top of the ninth, and he got two quick pop outs. So he just needs one last out. However, the storm has really taken off at this point. The wind is howling. Um, and so the punch and Judy shortstop Joe Dugan uh, steps in as the last hope for the athletics. So just as Caldwell comes set to get this final out, a bolt of lightning crashes down from above. It explodes in the middle of the infield right next to the pitcher. My God. <laughs> it, later, uh, the uh, Cleveland shortstop, once again, really interesting that he's brought up again. But Ray Chapman, uh, he said he felt a surge of electricity go down his leg. And the Cleveland catcher actually booked it off of the field. He took, he, you know, he threw his mask as far as he could because he didn't want the bolt to be attracted <laughs> through through the metal wiring in the mask, which I think is funny. They just pretty much left Ray out here. <laughs> um, Literally on the mound, the highest point in the field. There you go. Right. Good luck. And and what's kind of kind of crazy is that for 1919, there's actually pretty good coverage of what happened here. So there was the Cleveland baseball historian, Franklin Lewis, who was actually there and wrote that Caldwell was struck uh, merely with a glancing blow from the lightning. Like that's some sort of small thing. Right. And he said, like, if he was hit directly, it would have killed anybody. Right. Um, So when the smoke cleared, everyone's just kind of shaken up and they just see Ray Caldwell, the pitcher, laid out on his back. His arms are spread apart like some kind of Looney Tunes caricature uh, and he's knocked out. He's unconscious. And so allegedly (laughs) now how much of this is uh, exaggerated? We don't know. But allegedly his chest was smoldering from where the lightning had struck him. And when somebody rushed over to check on him, they jumped back saying that they they were shocked when they touched his body. Hmm. Everyone was really worried. They're like, did we just see this guy get, you know, killed on the baseball field just from some act of God? Like, how do you how do you react in that situation? Like, I (laughs) there's. No, there's, there's no good way. If, if your pitcher's on the mound on his back after getting hit with a bottle of lightning, what do you well, do? That sucks. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. Ah, oh, man. Better luck next uh, time. So after about five minutes, everyone's freaking out. And obviously, because this guy's been just summarily unresponsive to this point, and they're about to say, you know, I shoot, I guess we lost our pitcher. Ray Caldwell is dead. And suddenly, Caldwell groans. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries to get up. He tries to get to his feet. He's like rolling over, struggling to get on his knees. And then I'm just imagining the scene of him kind of in the background almost while everyone's talking, you know, in hushed tones, trying to figure out what they're going to do with this, mm-hmm, this guy mm-hmm. on the mound. He just gets up in the background. And then so everyone is just floored, right? And so they rush up to him and like, oh, let's walk you to a hospital. Uh, let's let's get you out of here. And he just gets up and allegedly says, I have one more out to get. I'm I'm going to suggest something. Um, after being struck by lightning, you're literally smoldering and smoke is rising from you. People are concerned for your life. And you stand up and say, I have one more out to get. That is the coolest line anybody has ever said. Po- possibly just in general, not just in baseball, but ever. I mean, you're not wrong. Like I, I, I'm being, hard, I'm hard pressed to think of anything on the spot that would be cooler than getting struck by lightning and be like, "All right, put me in, coach." Right. Uh, but then, okay, so if you like that, so Tris Speaker, once again, the manager, he he comes on to talk to him, and so he convinces uh, him to let him finish the game. And so Caldwell looks at his shortstop Ray Chapman and he says, "Give me the dang ball and turn me toward the plate." 
<laughs> like, so oh I don't know. Goodness. To me, that kind of reads as he's a little delirious at this point. Oh, <laughs> like, he has no idea where he's at. Just turn me towards the general direction of the plate. And then the umpires, this is great. Oh I read they goodness. just kind of looked at each other and shrugged because I feel like the umpires just don't get paid enough at this point. Right. Like, it's, there are no rules against this unless he was struck by lightning and now has superpowers. But even then, that's still allowed. It's just, it's just so slapstick to see the, to mentally just imagine these umpires <laughs> looking at each other like, yeah. All right, play ball. <laughs> like, sure. Okay. Um, well, I guess they assumed that, you know, lightning wouldn't strike twice, you know, and hit him as soon as he got back <laughs> on the rubber. But uh, so they just let it play out. They let it play out just as they let uh, let the guy go to the plate with an axe in, in last week's story. Uh, and so this guy, uh, Joe Dugan, the batter in this situation, who must be traumatized, uh, steps back into the batter's box and immediately rolls over and bounces out to third base and mm-hmm. the game. So Ray Caldwell has just thrown a complete game, giving up four hits in a game that he'd been struck by lightning in a game that he had already needed to throw one of the better games of his life, just regardless, just for his career. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is incredible. He finished the game having been struck by lightning. We're never hopefully never going to see that again. Uh, and apparently he got blitzed after the game too, per, per his you know contract. <laughs> like did that did that did that change anything? He's like <laughs> like at all. <laughs> do you think do you think he went back to the bar and got drunk that night? Like, um, well you know maybe he made him take a second you know look at his life and <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> all right, uh, and so after the game they asked him as we wrap this up, he just said you know it just felt like somebody came up with a board and hit me on top of the head and knocked me down. And he actually theorized, Caldwell did, that the bolt entered him through the metal button uh, uh, on the top of his cap. My now, God. these baseball these baseball players are not scientists. That's just what he <laughs> think happened. Uh, but through this, after hearing this whole story, Brandon, what's your? We're gonna go back to this. What's your plausibility <sighs> that you put on this? So you know, one through ten. So last week we talked about um, a guy going up to bat with an axe and splitting the ball in half, and half of it goes out for a home run. That was basically a zero. But this, um, you know, I'm sure the details are completely exaggerated in some way, shape or form. Um, But I'm positive a lightning bolt may have hit the field with him on it. At least that much happened. Right. Uh, Maybe maybe he was struck because, you know, sometimes crazy things can happen. when People get struck by lightning and they're fine, which is odd. Um, So I'm going to I'm going to put this at around 90 percent plausibility. Wow, ninety percent. That's, that's yeah. That's may, not high. you know, not step by step. The story happened, but something like it definitely happened. I'm on board with this one. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I'd probably put it a little lower. I'd probably give it like an eighty percent. But okay. I think that I think I agree in the sense that I think it's probably the main points are true. I think he did get struck by lightning and finish the game. Oof. I think that there's definitely elements like oh, his chest was like smoldering, and somebody wa- walked up to him and said, they said, oh, you know, I'm shocked, like. I don't shocked I tell you shocked yeah I I want to believe it those things happened I I want to believe that he just stood up like Clint Eastwood and said like I I have have one one more ball left right like (laughs) yeah that's so cool that's so cool I don't know if I mean but I figure if you survive a lightning strike you should be able and and finish a a complete game you should be able to retell the story however you however you want (laughs) yeah whatever you want to do man (laughs) You you didn't run away yeah. He said, no, I'm going to finish this game. <laughs> I choose to believe it. Um, so, all right. So we've, we've started off already uh, on a, on a very hot note with, with a guy Ooh. getting struck by lightning. Let's uh, tone it, tone it down a notch. And okay. let's talk about some food. Um, mm. Starting off uh, the pickle jar. 
Brandon, what's our word for today? So our phrase for today in the pickle jar, and of course, talking about baseball terminology, is can of corn. Good old favorites. Now, of course, you and I, baseball fans in general, know what can of corn is. uh, But it's honestly, I haven't heard it used too often. So it it could easily slip through some consciousness. So uh, what, what do some other people think about what can of corn meant? Yeah, so I mean, like you said, like can of corn, something that I've we've both kind of grown up. Yeah, with. We, we think we've got a good handle on it. So I asked my girlfriend uh, Mia. I asked her, "What's a can of corn?" And she she had a great, very visual answer that said, "A can of corn is a ball that rolls a long time, like a Chef Boyardee can." Oh. Do you remember those commercials? <laughs> yeah. Like, Whoa, I forgot about those. <laughs> Like very like very old commercials where for those of you that are uninitiated, like there's this little girl wants like a can of Chef Boyardee ravioli and her mom says no, they're at the supermarket and it like jumps off the shelf and it rolls all the way home and follows her, right? <laughs> um, so that's what, what my girlfriend said. She said it's 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 like when a ball just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. And honestly, like that is incredibly creative. And so I, I support that hundred percent. <laughs> Um, just I love a good visual answer. Yeah, and I, I feel like just no context like that could I mean, it could work. Yeah, I mean, things can have two meanings. We can do we can make this happen. Exactly. exactly. That slow roller sure was a can of corn. <laughs> but uh, Brandon, what's a what's a pit or excuse me? What's a can of corn actually mean in the in the baseball? Yeah, so a can of corn is just like an easy pot fly to the outfield. Uh, the outfielders are going to reach up, pluck it out just like a can of corn and call it a day. Easy play. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, yeah, uh, where, where's that? Was it? Was it come from? As we struggle with that segue there, <laughs> so we both stare at each other. Like, who's going <laughs> to say it? Um, yeah. So, uh, so the can of corn phrase is actually pretty visual in and of it, or the origin, I guess, is pretty visual in and of itself. And it's said to have originated from, uh, you know, in the 19th century, uh, in the old grocery stores. Right? It was a method of getting canned goods down from a high shelf using a stick and a hook. So you could That's tip cool. a can. Uh, you know, a, a tip a can down and you could catch it in your, your apron that you would wear at the store. And so one theory for the use of corn is the canned good in this phrase is that the corn itself was considered the easiest to catch as it was the best selling vegetable in the store. Oh, hey. And so it was stocked on the lower shelves. So because it was lower, it was oh. easier to catch than something like hypothetically, like, I don't know, maybe pickles would be on the top shelf and that would be, you know, a further catch. So it makes sense. You know, it's an easy catch can of corn. You're just waiting on your huh. So that's that's actually fascinating, <laughs> right? Like it's 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 just really weird and really interesting where all of these little bits and phrases come from. Just mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, language is just something I feel like weird. Yeah, the the origins of language. About. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the, there's also some origins of food in the baseball world. So okay. I have another I have another question for you. Okay. Um, so a question here: uh, What century was the first hot dog made? Was hot dogs being a staple of ballparks everywhere? When was it so, made? I'm, I have a follow-up or a clarifying question. Is yeah. that a hot dog in the traditional sense of a dog between two, you know, between a bun? Oh, see, now you get into details, and this is um, actually a, 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 ma- a matter of a contention within the hot dog world. Uh, so let's just go with the hot dog itself first, not the sausage, okay. but specifically a hot dog, which is a little bit different. Okay, so I. So I feel like I'm going to expose myself for for my lack of hot dog knowledge and some hot dog <laughs> lifer is going to be on the other side of this. Just be like, no, it's all wrong. So my my interpretation of the difference between a hot dog and a sausage is a sausage is like spicier. Right. 
Um, I don't know. That's that's very. It's probably wrong. No, but, you, you, you're on the right path. Yeah. So it has a it has a the hot dog has a milder spice and the meat is more finely grinded. Okay, that's cool. Um, but for as to when we think the hot dog actually originated, I'm gonna just throw it all the way back to like the 15th century. I feel like they they had hot dogs in like the 1400s. I mm-hmm. I don't know because mm-hmm. it just it's so similar to a sausage. And yeah, I know sausages are old, like they're super old, right? Like, so I'm trying to imagine like some like old king sitting on his throne eating like a, a farmer John hot dog. I don't know. You know, just, just so you know, you're nailing every single bit of this. Am I okay? I'm yeah, glad. absolutely. When, 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 when was it from? All right, so we have a firm date ish, uh, but before okay. I tell you that firm date, uh, the, the first you know written maybe passage of a hot dog, it's just like a sausage that's more finely grinded up, basically. Um, comes from Homer in the Odyssey really? in the seventh century BCE. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now, That's now, it wasn't specifically like a hot dog, but it was you know a, a, sure. a mollified sausage, if you will. Uh, but the first firm date we have for a hot dog that we more or less know of today comes from Frankfurt, Germany, or Germany now, fourteen eighty-seven. On oh, the so nose, no, fourteen hundreds. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, now, of course, like any any good origin story, it's there's some again contention. Was that the actual date? Some people say it came a hundred years later from another German immigrant. Um, some people, uh, like Emma Reichel and Sam uh, Ladery, uh, they went to the World's Fair in 1893, the same one that saw wow. the Cracker Jacks premiere. On the, <laughs> <laughs> and they put the hot dog between the bun and called it their creation for a hot dog. And um, the hot dog in general started, you know, getting used in popular lexicon in the 1890s. And, of course, by the 1900s, hot dogs were everywhere. Wow. So, 1487. I don't think I'm ever going to get a a better, like, I just threw that out there. I don't think I can top that. Yeah, between that and, you know, the king of the Odyssey, you absolutely nailed it. That was nicely done. All right, cool. So, I guess this is a this is a great segue into our discussion for the day. Talking about ballpark food. Oh. So, Brayden, you want to kick us off? Yeah. So, I hot dog, hot dogs, just baseball food in general is glorious in every facet. Whether it's just the regular Cracker Jacks or peanuts or hot dogs, uh, but in the last oh decade and a half, maybe they have just been foods on steroids in certain ballparks like the more ostentatious or agrarious foods can get the more coverage they have and the more people want them and it's true i've been to a few of these parks with these crazy foods and i say i want that and i get it and i don't regret it but i kind of (laughs) do um so so when i'm thinking about these experiences that is that coming from oh we'll 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 get there don't you worry about that (laughs) So when I think about these crazy baseball foods, I, I kind of think of a Venn diagram in my head. Uh, number one, they have to have some novelty to them. Um, you know, right. you, you, can't, you can't just have really a really, really long hot dog because that's just a hot dog that's long. That's not special. <laughs> um, so when I think of a novelty, I think of things like the sushi burritos or, you know, the, the Doritos okay. tacos, something like that. Something kind of odd and unique, uh, but not quite that doesn't quite have the gluttony of a good baseball food. So gluttony is like the 72-ounce steaks or like the burger with a 9 or 15 patties between the buns, something like that. So these baseball foods, it's meeting in the middle between the novelty and the gluttony in my mind. That's where I'm at. 
and and I'll actually propose a third uh, on the Sven gra- diagram. I'll propose a third circle, and yeah. that is expensive. <laughs> expensive. Oh yeah, I, I, I can definitely give you that one. Maybe not in the traditional sense, but I always feel like there you spend a lot, but depending on what you get, it. it I don't know. Well, I feel like you're paying for quantity a lot of the time. Yeah, right? and that, that that's kind of like baseball food in general. You know, when I went right. to Dodger Stadium, you know, I had to get the Dodger dog, and it was like twelve dollars for a hot dog. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> so baseball foods in general is expensive. So yeah, I, I will add that. Um, there is an actual word for a three circle Venn diagram, but I forget what that word is. Uh, so a Venn triagram. A Venn triagram. There it is. <laughs> We're going with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I did a little bit of research as far as looking at the major league ballparks and a few minor leagues and just to see what crazy foods they have to offer. All right. So in, in no particular order, um, I'm going to start with, well, the Phillies in Philadelphia, of course. They have something called the Donut Burger, oh. which, which is what it sounds like. It's a nice glazed donut cut in half with um, cherry pepper jam, American cheese, and bacon, of course, with the patty in there. And here you go. Here's your heart attack. I feel like I, I, I feel like the donut burger, just, just initial reaction to it. Mm-hmm. One, ouch. Two, I feel like the jam is what's sticking out to me. I don't, I'm not a guy who likes jam donuts, but I could see maybe the sweet and savory coming through with the, the, yeah, the th- beef and the bacon and the glazed bun. So I won't write it off. And I think that's what they're going for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sweet and savory with, with the meat in there. So sure, okay, Phillies, we can do that. Okay, okay. Um, up next, we're going down to Cleveland. We talked about this one a little bit earlier, the slider dog. We have your traditional beef hot dog. With pimento, macaroni, and cheese, uh, right. with some cabone in there, and then all around it and on it, we have Fruit Loops. Okay, I was with you in, until I ha- I heard Fruit Loops. The Fruit <laughs> Loops, yeah, that, that's oh. that's so weird. <laughs> and you, the the pictures look so funny because it's it looks like a hot dog, but then you have the splashes of color that come with Fruit Loops. <laughs> what are we doing, Cleveland? Uh, like <laughs> I, I'm looking Slither at it dog. right now. What is this? It just—it doesn't even look like a recognizable hot dog. It just looks like a bun, some brown stuff, and then just a ton of Fruit Loops. And yeah, it's like unicorn sprinkles on it. Here are some Fruit Loops. Uh, like that would be such like, an. This is what, what like your college roommate would make it to in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like this isn't this isn't a real food. <laughs> no, like hey man, no take some of this. <laughs> no, no disrespect. I mean, a of little disrespect, not. but like, yeah, I've, uh, like okay. a crunchy, a crunchy hot dog. All right, all right. It might work. So, Maybe for texture. Yeah, What's next? Sure. All right. So up next, we're going to Colorado. Oh, they have a Rocky Mountain po' boy, and this is you know your traditional po' boy, which is amazing in itself. Uh, but then with Rocky Mountain oysters. Now, are, are you familiar with Rocky Mountain oysters, Noah? So I'm going to apologize because I don't know what that is. I also don't know what a po' boy is. It's a sandwich, Oh, my right? goodness. It right? is it's a, a sandwich. I have it is one. an amazing sandwich. You definitely need to get your hands on a po' boy. Um, okay. y- you may not want to put your hands on the Rocky Mountain Oyster. Um, so those are meatballs in the very literal sense. Um, They're um, bull testicles that have been cooked. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. So mind. <laughs> throw that on a sandwich. I, they're, they're very popular. Those Rocky Mountain oysters. I I can't say I've had one, but people love them. So there we go. 
Okay, what's uh, what we got next? All right, so next we're going to give everybody Heart Attack just by listening. Because now we're going up to Milwaukee, where they have the Wisconsin Ultimate Cheese Fry. And just looking at the pictures, it looks and feels like Wisconsin in food form. Um, and this is far, this is definitely more on the gluttony side of the Venn diagram, the novelty. But I had to put it in there because it just, oh, my God. So there's, of course, a basket of fries with cheese curds, bacon, and more cheese sauce than has ever been made. It's incredible. It, it's pure gluttony. And it definitely doesn't fall into this Venn diagram we were talking about, but my goodness. <laughs> I feel like now is this also served in a in a collectible helmet? Because I feel like it, it sounds like it should be. Yeah, it, that, it definitely that adds should be. flavor. Definitely. The the polypropylene helmet definitely adds. Oh some, yeah. Some the, every time you get the vanilla ice cream, you can yep. you can taste the helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think okay, so so far I'm gonna keep a, a running list as we roll through these. That is my number one that I, I need to try is that oh, ultimate the, the, cheese fry helmet. So shout out to the brewers and shout out to Milwaukee. <laughs> that sounds amazing. All right. So you, you had just talked about putting food in, you know, helmets or interesting, you know, holders. And that's exactly what Pittsburgh did uh, with the Pittsburgh cone. Okay. Uh, yeah, here we have a kielbasa, pierogi, which I'm not a fan of, but hey. Uh, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, Russian dressing, and that's all stuffed gloriously into a waffle ice cream cone. Wow. Yeah. That's why, why not? It's it's great. it's like it's like a wrap, but it's not as healthy, and you can still hold it and walk around places. So sure. Waffle cones are just a reward for eating for for, for getting through <laughs> something horribly unhealthy. <laughs> like that's a- <laughs> Yeah. I can see that. Just is it just like a sugar bread? I'm actually not sure what waffle cone even is. It's like sugar yeah, bread in my mind. Yeah, sometimes there's like a dress, a chocolate on it. So so far though, I okay. So I I'm open to pretty much all of these. I'm just scrolling scrolling through what we've talked about mm-hmm, so far, except mm-hmm. for that slider dog because I would try this 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 Pittsburgh cone. Like I, most of these, I feel like I would try. I'd give it give it a you know an effort. I just I not sold on that slider dog. But what do we have next? All right. So there's this. Four more things we talk about. Um, okay. we'll, we'll do a pit stop in Seattle because okay. up in Seattle they have the uh, toasted grasshoppers. That's right. Yeah, remember that when that came out, which is literally just toasted grasshoppers that you eat. <laughs> With like a seasoning though, right? Like, like I feel like they've, I think they've got like different seasonings for them. Okay, so you could have like a some paprika on there. You, you go, you know, a, a southern are grasshopper you, style. I don't know. Are you an adventurous eater? Like, if it like looks good, down to. if it looks good, I will eat it. If it smells good, I'll definitely eat it. Okay. I, I feel like I would totally like, I feel like the grasshoppers, like when that strikes you, like initially you, you want to be a little grossed out, but I would totally eat a grasshopper. I, I yeah, mean, I'm, I'm sure these things taste like sunflower seeds. Has right? a good like crunch to it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's like the modern day Cracker Jack now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you don't know until you try it. Like, granted, it might not be for me, but I'd definitely try it because I've—I mean, I've had—I have friends who are Mariners fans, and they said that either they're great or they're just all right. And I feel like you know, it, it yeah. can't be—it's got to be like—it's like peanuts, right? Like, yeah, it sounds a lot like Rocky Mountain oysters. You know, they're either yeah. great or they're okay. You know, they exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, so we're gonna—we're gonna turn it up now. Uh, we're going to the minor leagues here. We're going to uh, South Bend Cubs, where they have something called the Pork Nado. 
Oh. And yes, the pork nado. This is pulled pork. Sound. Oh, oh <laughs> yes. Uh, the pork nado has pulled pork. I'm not going to do that. It's <laughs> pulled pork uh, with mac and cheese all around it, diced bacon, jalapeno peppers. And once again, it is stuffed gloriously into an ice cream cone. Uh, there's just something about the cone shape that's conducive to eating unhealthy things, apparently. Right. Like, I mean, it's just handheld. And that's really all that is. You, you got you got to have one hand free for, for whatever you're doing. I mean, you could just double fist it, man. You can get okay. two pork natos and go to town. <laughs> Why mess like around? The one where, where you start eating it and it just you can feel your arteries clogging up because you got pulled pork. You got mac and cheese, bacon. That's three of my favorite foods. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just I feel like I'd eat this and then I wouldn't move like the seventh inning stretch would would pass me right by because i'd just be knocked you, out you you couldn't know you in a seventh inning way. bypass surgery okay. um and you'll need that for this next one again minor leagues new hampshire fisher cats they have the item the squealer Ooh. which yeah you know where this is gonna go once again pulled pork a favorite of big fatty foods everywhere Bacon, ham, Italian sausage, pepperoni, cheddar, barbecue sauce, and they have a bun on top of it, and they make the bun look like the face of a pig, and it's kind of adorable. Yeah. I still eat it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Come here, little piggy face. (laughs) That's funny. And so what I've really gotten, and that sounds amazing, by the way, New Hampshire, but what I'm I'm really getting from this is that I feel like stadium food is very, very similar to like county fair food. Like, like. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like and I, th- I feel like there, there's been some overlap because I know for a fact they do that Philly's donut burger uh, at the L.A. County Fair. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And so I feel like that's kind of the same. Yeah, the same ma- maybe level. we need to add another circle to our tri diagram with you know fair food. <laughs> and I, I feel this this last one encapsulates all four of those of those you know ver- variables here uh, in Arizona. This is the one I've had because it was a challenge and I accepted it. I walked up to the plate. It is the Uh-oh. D-Bat dog. Uh-oh. Now, if, if you've not you know, been introduced to the D-Bat dog, it is an 18-inch hot dog. Okay. On a bed of fries. Fine. But this hot dog has been literally filled with cheese. All right. And then wrapped in bacon, stuffed again with jalapenos, and then deep fried. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> it It is just exactly as it sounds i ate the whole i ate the whole thing how did you feel afterwards i didn't um i (laughs) i honestly haven't you know remembered how to taste since then um i haven't eaten since then and frankly i'm not sure if i've woken up from the coma yet but it was glorious (laughs) you know all of this all this stadium food just reminds me of that that quote from jurassic park where it's like your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. That applies to everything on oh, this Oh, what a good quote. <laughs> Every and, single food item. And it's funny. You know, I've, I've gone to basketball games and football games, but they don't have the it's same kind of imagination that baseball has for food. Right. Right. And I feel like minor league stadiums, especially like you, you touched on it earlier, but it's it's so much of it is like that food experience. Mm hmm. The, um, the f- Minor league games in general, whether it's the food, the special events, or the specific you know batters they pick on, it's a great time. 
um, and food is just parts of the culture of these glorious games. I love it so much. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask you two questions. Okay, uh, you can answer them in I, whatever order. So the first one is: so you just mentioned the D Bat Dog. Mm-hmm. Is that is that your favorite specialty hot dog? Is there another hot dog you've had somewhere else that is <sighs> like? What's your favorite style? If you need a little time to think about that, I know okay. my favorite. Okay, well, you got it. Oh, no, no. You, you go ahead to your yeah. favorite. I got to so, think about this. So one. my favorite, I, I love the it's not like a specific to a stadium necessarily, but just like Chicago style hot dogs with the pickle and, and the onions like that is my idea of, of an excellent hot dog. Okay. We also do. Solid. I know Dodger Stadium, or at least they used to. They had the the bacon wrapped hot dogs that were kind of like like the, the stadium staple. You can add bacon to anything. And it's, it's that's that's very true. Add bacon to your bacon. You. Exactly. Exactly. So like those are my two favorite like hot dog specialties. I think though I want to try a lot of these. What about what about for you? Uh, so as far as specialties, you know, I, I'm just a hot dog fan. I'll eat you know anything right. that has a hot dog. Uh, so w- what I'll do instead is I'll kind of explain my typical hot dog. If I go to a game, get a hot dog, okay. what do I put on it? I'll go the boring routes. Um, I'm a heathen. I put ketchup on my hot dog because I like what I like. Yeah. Um, and then exactly. also I'll put some, uh, yeah, some some mustard. Um, once in a while, some relish. I'm not a huge fan, but once in a while, I kind of like that soft crunch relish has. And uh, really, that's about it. Some onions as well. I love the love the onions on the hot dog. So that was that was almost my follow up question. Um, so just fill us in as you as you please. So when you go to a baseball game, what are mm-hmm. you eating and drinking? So you've got your hot dog down. Oh, like yeah. What's your what's your go to meal? So it, it um, so in my mind, I'm at Chase Field because that's where I went to games all the time. Which sadly, I haven't been to a game in almost two years. Uh, it's terrifying. It's also what happens. It's what happens when you move around and there's a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I get I get to a game. Um, if I want to treat myself, I'll get the the D back dog, which is just like a, okay. a bigger hot dog. Yeah, it's like your daughter dog, what have you. And I'll get. Hmm, Probably two of those before the game starts because I just like to sit down and enjoy things for a while. And then I'll go get me a beer or two, a nice, nice big beer. So that will last me for a couple innings, just sipping and eating, having a good time. Um, although I've always wanted to go, they have an all you can eat section. I've always right. wanted to do, you know, like a hot dog an inning and like a beer every two innings, something like that, just to see how far I can go until I black out again, like the D-Bat dog. <laughs> oh man no I, I i love that you said that because i'm a huge fan of the all you can eat section and uh-huh. i would so very recently i went to the dodgers taking uh the dodger game where they took on the astros which is a whole episode in and of itself uh just that experience but i <laughs> i went and we got our my friends and i we got our seats in the what we thought was the all you can eat section but it appears that the with the renovations to dodger stadium that's no longer a thing Wow, uh, which was a heartbreaker because that was what I would try to do is eating a hot dog every inning or something like that. Yeah, pull just, a Babe Ruth and get my get my money's worth. Yeah, Babe Ruth, Wade Boggs, plenty of legends <laughs> to get your, your name up on the wall with. Um, but yeah, because you would just be able to get like peanuts and and all every, as Ooh. much as you could eat, right? But then I went and I had to pay for everything individually, and that was oh, that's not that's not all you can eat. That's just sad. <laughs> all you, all your wallet can eat. Um, yeah, right. But I think my go to, and I'm, I'm yeah, at Dodger Stadium because that's my most frequented park. Uh, I got to get the Dodger dogs, but I got to get Super Dodger dogs because. I'm going to be honest, and this could mm-hmm. be you know, you, heresy, but Dodger dogs, not that good. They're not, man. They're, <laughs> they're I was so disappointed. 
and they're really not worth the price tag if you don't get the go like a dollar or two up and get the super dodger dog because the base level dodger dog the dodger dog for the people i'm not talking about like whatever's up in the the upper box seats where the the big wigs sit but the dodger dog for the people is this small little like i think oh, it's yeah. like still broiled like it's just disappointing there's or it's it's like so dodger dogs are known historically for being very long right Mm-hmm. And it was a little longer than a typical dog. I mean, the bun was the same size, which was inconvenient. <sighs> but it's just it's not an ex- it's not a great it's not a great food experience. And I had high hopes for when I went do- back to the stadium this year, since they changed the supplier from Farmer John, that it would be improved. But it was the same and or worse. Just so meat and boiled water and say, exactly. here you go. You're going to like it because exactly. we gave it to you. And so oh. I, I get the Super Dodger dog because it is a, a a little bit of a step up in terms of quality. Uh, and I'll throw I also th- I put ketchup on hot dogs. OK, like I hey. I, I refuse to be shamed for, for <laughs> dressing up a hot. I'm eating the hot dog. Why do you have a problem with what? Be I proud, put Noah. Be proud. Okay, so I put I put ketchup. I put mustard. I put relish and onions on it. Onions, um, yeah. And if they have them, I'll put like some jalapenos on sometimes. And you can dress up a hot dog enough. You're not even you know, it does. It could be mediocre, whatever. Um, so like I'll I'll do that. I have had really exceptional dogs there uh, that were like more expensive and larger. I couldn't find them uh, most recent time because I feel like at Dodger Stadium, a lot of what they do is they've got like you know carne asada fry helmets and nacho helmets, yeah. and they have good food. It's just spaced out in the the like. I go to a baseball game. I wanted a hot dog. I, it's, I'm a traditionalist in that sense. Yeah, I'll get like garlic fries or something, but I have to have my hot dog. Now, now re- it's disappointing. Really quick, I want to point out for you know people listening, um, in the background of Noah's screen, somebody just walked in, and Noah is going to town on carne asada fries and his philosophy <laughs> of hot dogs and these toppings. And I can't help but wonder what this person is thinking as they're walking into this room. What is he? I thought he was talking about baseball. Now he's talking about clogged arteries and relish, being proud about ketchup. Yeah. So that that was that made me pretty yeah, happy. That, that's just my brother getting ready for work in the background. <laughs> but <laughs> just to put 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 you at rest there, I'm not about to get strangled for my controversial views on on hot dogs. <laughs> uh but yeah, but that's that's I guess that's what we'll end it on. Mm-hmm. If any Dodger people listen to this, please up the hot dogs. I I, oh, I implore please. you, please, because it's it, it used to the term Dodger dog used to mean something around <laughs> <laughs> It did though. I was so I was so that, that was one of the things I had to get when I went there, and it was just like. Uh, and while we're at it, why 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 does Shake Shack have a have a pop up at the stadium, but In and Out doesn't? That makes no sense from a coast stand, coast to coast standpoint. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying In and Out's a little bit overrated. So come at me. <laughs> so okay, that's gonna we're gonna that'll do it for this episode. <laughs> Uh, because I'm going to have to get off of this call and just he's got to find a new host into task. I have to drive, yeah, drive all the way out to wherever you are right now. Oh, yeah, don't come <laughs> and, here <laughs> and have a face to face conversation about why that's wrong. Uh, but <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, if you like what you hear, and uh, please follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter at Short Hops PL. Follow Brandon at BD Riddle to tell him about why his burger choices are wrong, and myself at Noah Scott Six. Uh, only follow me if you're going to agree with me, though. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and feel subscribe. free to tweet at us your favorite baseball foods as yeah, well. Exactly. That'd be fun. Exactly. That would be fun. Um, so subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this right now. Leave a review if you like uh, so we can reach more people that uh, like baseball like us. So for Brandon Riddle, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time.